0: level podcast with your hosts stan Drayev and nick Bracha. welcome to the mma geeks c-level podcast i am your host stan drive with my co-host the john Kavanaugh to my johnny walker fight style the accidental headbutt to my kevin holland comeback nick Braccia. how are you my friend
1: I'm sneaking up on you, baby. I got a half a point back last week. If there's 24 <laughs> more cards this year, all I gotta do is get a half a point back on each one, and I am gonna be <laughs> right, right up, right up that <laughs> Harry Uzbek ass yoke. I, I, and, I, sh- and, I and, and I should and I should have been up a full point, but no, Kevin Holland had to get a no contest, and Joe yeah, Selecki had to get ga- had to gas out. I was supposed to be as undefeated this week as you were last week, but once If only Joe lost, didn't
0: got. fight uh, Jared Gordon. yeah, it's it's funny you you did gain a point. so I was eleven points ahead leading into this week. I am now only ten and a half points ahead, Nick. Uh, my one hundred points to your eighty nine and a half points. So I'm only ten and a half points ahead, Nick, like you said, you keep winning by half a point at this rate you are going to be only five points ahead by the end of the season. So, nice work, dude. (laughs) Seriously, it was a great card for both of us because we both picked really well. I ended up going, I think, in my overall picks, I went 10-1 and 1. -1. So, it was uh, 10 wins, 1 loss, 1 draw, or no contest in this case. You went 9-2 and 1. 9 wins, 2 losses, and 1 draw. So, really good performance by both of us in that way, right? We made the right predictions. I I feel like we made... Did a pretty good job of ordering. Wait, what was the the,
1: the second fight that I got wrong?
0: You picked two fights wrong. Your one fight wrong that you picked was Joe Selecki. The other fight that you picked wrong, along with me, was I believe Shanna Young over. Oh, the same one you. The
1: same one you picked right.
0: Yeah, 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 exactly. So, so that's the one I got wrong. I got the Jared Gordon fight correct, uh, which is why I have, uh, which is why I have uh, one more correct pick. But really good again performance. Like a lot of the experts didn't do as well as us. So I'm pretty happy with our performance on that end. It shows that we know what the fuck we're talking about. You know what I'm saying, Nicola? Uh, but we did compete, and you edged me by half a point. So Nick, a winning week for you. Congratulations, bud. You're gonna keep bringing it down until, uh, as you normally do, Nick, until we're neck and neck at the end of the season. I expect nothing less. It was from a you. good,
1: yeah. But I mean, we did. We did really call them well. I'm most proud of the fact that we both. And listen, I like it when I'm right and you're wrong, or if I have an insight that you don't have, and ends, and I end up being right. That I feel that I feel superior. I think it's great. I download pictures of you. I bring them into Microsoft Paint. I draw shit all over you. And it's <laughs> like I turn off the lights. I light some candle. It's just it's cool. It's like a good experience. This but just went I do feel way some, way further
0: I, left than I expected it to. I,
1: I do feel some joy. Um, when we agree on something that is a, a pretty big underdog pick uh, and we and we predict exactly how it's going to go. And Nailed if that may give us credit, Jamie Malarkey over Devontae Smith, we both were like, yo, these, <laughs> these odds are not right. Jamie Malarkey does not quit. He's a beast. Devontae Smith's absurdly athletic and um, explosive. But if Malarkey doesn't go down, and I don't think he is – there's going to be problems. And it was like, i like, I'm cute. That was exactly what happened.
0: So impressive by Malarkey, man. Like, he put it on Devontae Smith from the start. It's this pressure that really works for him. And I've said this before if you're the less athletic fighter, pressure is probably going to be your best bet you also have to be durable you also have to have some serious heart for your pressure game to work because you're going to get through a a rough first round against certain opponents before your pressure starts to tax their gas tank before you know it they're pretty exhausted and you're used to fighting at a high pace you're all uh, aggression and all offense and that's how jamie malarkey took care of business incredibly impressive man like I wouldn't have expected this early of a finish. I can I could see him breaking Devontae Smith. I wouldn't have expected this early of a finish because it was less of like Devontae Smith's chin failed him and more that Devontae Smith was like, I don't want to do this anymore. This is too much. I just can't handle it. And he just like gave in, kind of like Connor has once or twice. Um, and listen, Devontae Smith is a super talented fighter on his way up. He's showing his holes. And that's okay. Like being a gatekeeper to the top 10 or so, not the worst position for him. But Jamie Malarkey a fucking problem, Nick.
1: Yeah, it's like the question is you know he needs he needs to step up he needs a top 15 guy and i'm trying to get the, the the rankings website to work right now but it's not loading for me like at all uh
0: um, nikolai old that, reliable ufc.com always has their rankings available uh yeah yeah i, think I don't i don't it,
1: like their rankings their rankings are not is don't don't need to the kind of creative and timely matchmaking that we can put together looking at the other one that's right um i
0: actually actually it is, is that what it is i was looking for it earlier i can't remember the name of that but i do like that it tells you it shows you the ranking and what matchup that fighter is scheduled for at the moment that's really helpful yeah. um i'm going to say oh my god honestly, i got it i got it i got it i got it are you ready yeah talk to me
1: get ready for this oh man they may not want it but think about how exciting oh shit wait is malarkey fight at city kickboxing
0: no or he's at the other. He's at Queensland, Queensland MMA. Or I, I believe, I believe, I, I know he doesn't train at City Kickboxing because his uh, UFC debut well, was against uh, City Kickboxing's Brad Riddell.
1: Oh, he already fought Riddell. That's right. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, okay. Well, Fizzy of wins. Were that you going to suggest Riddell? <laughs> I was going to fight. You, you were going to suggest the winner. The winner, of, winner, the winner of Fizzi Riddell. But I mean, although he's coming off of a loss, it's, it's from a style perspective, Thiago Moises. Jamie Malarkey.
0: Yeah, that'll be fun.
1: That's a, that's a, that's like a co-main event. I think as far as like, that's like a ESPN plus co-main event. Um, that would just be pure, like, I mean, fight of the night all over it.
0: Yeah. I'm pretty sure Diego Ferreira is scheduled to compete in the next month. I'm pretty sure of that. So, Probably not an option, except if Diego wins, maybe that would be the matchup to make as well. Diego's at number 11. Tiago Moises is at number 15. In either case, right, it breaks him into that top 15 if he can pull off a win over over one of these two guys. So I'm fascinated by it. I think, like, throwing him to somebody like Rafael Terzeev or Armand Saryukian would just be kind of, like, wasting the potential potential that malarkey may have because it's hard to like see him as a top five guy in the future, given his lack of athleticism, but he's developing man. He's getting more power into his hands. He's becoming more confident men. He's and a, you he's a what?
1: fight of the night machine. He's a fight of Absolutely. the night machine waiting Absolutely. to happen. Similar to Absolutely. Paul Felder, similar to um, Joe Lozon. Like he's, I could just, I could just see him being a, uh, yeah, he's just, he's a guy Who's not going to be in a boring fight ever?
0: I'm there with you. And like, able to compete with some of the top guys, and maybe he'll get a win here and there. He's going to lose here and there. I think you're about right, given his kind of athletic limitations. Um, but if he can, if he can make it past that in this stacked lightweight division, it would be just incredibly impressive. He's one of my. He's probably one of my top ten or fifteen favorite fighters, Nick. I'm. Yeah, they may throw him in guy. with Alex Hernandez
1: because they were both on the same card, and I like that, that too. Makes,
0: that makes that makes sense. I think that would be the perfect. Perfect uh, matchup for many reasons. I am super into that. And then the winner of that maybe can get a chance of breaking into the top 15 again. Uh, Nikolai, the reason that we had spent the first several minutes of this podcast talking about a fight on the undercar, Nick, is because the main event was so very boring. Tiago Santos. That was versus awful. Johnny Walker. Absolutely awful. Everybody expected these two men who are extremely explosive, um, who Tiago Santos used to be, you know, more of a glass cannon back at 185. His durability is a lot better at 205. uh, And I think the lack of weight cut probably accounts for some of that. Johnny Walker, you know, doesn't take shots well. So you expected, given the power that these two guys have, given the fact that they've both been knocked out several times, this is going to be exciting and it's not going to go very long. And man, did it go long. Uh, I think it was plus 900 and plus 800, depending on who you picked to win by decision. That's how far the odds were in that way look it was super close um basically uh, probably a difference of a couple of punches per round is what decided this fight and Thiago santos who needed to win that fifth round to secure the win he did he just did more in that fifth round and unfortunately johnny walker who i talked about how he switched to SBG ireland under john kavanaugh who is a terrible coach in my opinion who has literally like he's retired more fighters in the ufc than anyone i can think of and when i say retired i mean like within within five to ten fights in the ufc like like he doesn't have any legitimate talent outside of Connor, who's himself a very talented guy. He basically basically did what TriStar Jim did to George St. Pierre years ago, They just turned him into a very safe jab machine. They kind of did that to Johnny Walker, as far as at least his mindset. Obviously he's not as talented as George.
1: Yeah, I mean, Santos did land. I was a I can't remember if it was a right or a left. I think it was a huge right. Um yeah i think
0: I think you might it was it was a big shot. I can't remember what it was I and think Walker, he had a good moment and Walker ate it, but
1: it was a that was a molar shot but it um i mean Santos looked so much smaller in there. He looked like you know well he looked he, he de- he notably he definitely lighter was... to
0: me it's just Johnny Walker's a giant light heavyweight so he's giant he's pretty but he's
1: pretty, but he's, he's pretty weight. ripped he's pretty ripped too like yeah Johnny Walker's really big, but he didn't he didn't use his length particularly well. Um, I uh, don't like, I don't, I don't know why he, What? Where, where were the body kicks, where were the teeth kicks? I guess he was throwing kicks, but not like, he wasn't throwing kicks like a kicker. <laughs>
0: like he was not. No, no not with the intent to land necessarily. It was just a score points. Yes, exactly. He was not throwing kicks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm there with you. So now we have Johnny Walker, who's coming off of uh, three losses in his last four fights. And even in that one fight that he won against Ryan Span, he got clocked a couple times and dropped. Uh, so, like, where does he go from here, Nick? Like, we're not expecting him to be a top flight light heavyweight at this point. Even though it's a weak division, he just has too many holes, whether it be in his styling and the fact that he could just go out there and have this kind of performance. Could have won this fight, man, just being slightly, slightly busier. And maybe if his corner had told him, um, you probably only have one or two rounds, so you need to like really win this round without a doubt while still staying smart and safe. He didn't tell him that. He just said, point fight. Just just outpoint him at a distance. Be safe. You're doing great, is what he kept telling him. He's a terrible coach and unfortunately, Johnny Walker could have used a good coach in his corner in this fight. That probably was the difference between a win and a loss here. I don't know if you had it scored 2-2 leading into the uh, fifth round, but I did.
1: Yeah, this is it's just a bad it's just a post post John Jones uh post DC it's a it's just a not a good division you know I mean I don't I don't I'm not sure who you put uh you put Walker in against maybe uh maybe Jimmy Crute. I'd watch that oh he's fighting Jam- I would give yeah I would give him the winner of Jamal Hill uh Jimmy Crute.
0: um the I winner think- or maybe even the loser honestly either either like I think the loser makes more sense yeah Um, given, given the streak he's on right now, um, he doesn't even really belong in that. Like, I don't know why he's number 10. Johnny Walker is like, who did, like, who did he beat to be at number 10? I guess Ryan Spann. It's weird that he's at number 10, but it shows you the quality of this division. I will say this though. Um, I think this division is showing more promise now than it ever has. It probably helps that John Jones isn't there, you know, going through prospects before they're ready, but we've got guys like Jamal Hill, who I still think is a prospect. Jimmy crew, who's a prospect despite, you know, the faults and occasional losses, um, Paul Craig, I don't know if he's a prospect, but he's a high-level gatekeeper, right? We got uh, Magomed on Kalaj is well, a super prospect, could be champion. Yeah, yeah, well, Santos St- who's St- a prospect. Santos St- 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 who's a prospect.
1: Santos should fight the winner of Ozdemir Akalov.
0: I'm into it, Nick. I'm into it. You've, uh, you've decided on both of these guys' futures. Let's move on, unless you have anything else to say about this matchup.
1: No. And what wait, What weight? wait class? Joko Serkinov was it? Was it middleweight?
0: It was contested. Or was yeah, con- yeah. yeah, yeah Serkinov cut, cut down two, for the first time in his square.
1: Yeah, those guys are. Those guys are boring as shit too.
0: <laughs> yeah, Javko jo- generally is. Serkinov usually usually either is getting blasted or is dominating someone on the. Or ground, has a great so a, gra- a great
1: sub. Yeah, but that was not yeah exactly a, was not a good fight.
0: Yeah. Um. So we got Kevin Hall and Kyle Daukus uh, quickly. Like it was unfortunate. It ended. The, early with that headbutt where both guys came in and Kyle Dawkins was lucky enough for the top of his head to hit the very bottom of Kevin Holland's chin. Kevin Holland was knocked out for at least a second there, landed on the ground, semi-woke up, started getting, you know, fighting somewhat defensively as Dawkus worked on taking his back and getting a submission, uh, getting that rear naked choke. And then after all of that happened, after who I think is kind of a mediocre referee, uh, what was the referee's name, Nick? Dan berger after all that, Dan yeah. Murgliotta was convinced by Herb Dean outside the octagon to change it to a no contest is what it seemed like to me. It seemed like Murgliotta was just like, I'm going to leave it as it is, even though I clearly fucked up because that's Mergliata's attitude about his career, it seems like. And, uh, and it sounded well, let like – Well, let me point something out. Yeah. Before, yeah. when it happened, mm-hmm. at the same moment that Kevin
1: Holland went down and sprung back up, Dan Mergliata yeah. signaled, spinning his hand around – no, it's being like, get this on replay because it happened quickly. And he, yes. I don't think Murgley had a new. So I, I'm I glad do he did he that. knew it was going to be I, contested, I, but I he see. wasn't ready to stop it.
0: So you, so you're saying that he may have not known for sure that it was a headbutt. He just thought the guy got knocked out. And so I'm going to stop the fight, but no, he's still there. That could be, That's, knew, that's very so, possible, but he, he, knew, but he, he did ask for the replay. Was, so he knew, he knew something, something had happened, but he didn't know if, because Holland was like popped back
1: up, he didn't know how pertinent it was going to be in the outcome.
0: Well, I mean, I, I think like, it's very simple. If there's a serious headbutt and one guy drops to the floor, um I don't think he knew if it, I don't I don't think job. he
1: knew if it was a headbutt or not. Maybe that he, I mean, be, he should that, have that it, could very well be. But it happened it ha- that shit happens real quick. Although I guess he's got one job to do.
0: <laughs> no, but but you're right. You're right. It's quick. It's just Demergley out of like doesn't seem like a guy who's doing his absolute motherfucking damn this to be the absolute best at what he does like i know some guys are his friends and i know because i've been on the local new jersey fight scene and that's where he started his career and and he would do favors for guys that he was affiliated with like he would give him an early stoppage and shit like that like there was funny business early in his career uh nick Catone was one guy that i saw him give a couple of bullshit stoppages to like Catone was like a decent position landing some like light light two or three grounded pound shots we're glad i would just stop it like here you go you can move on with your career now kind of thing um and i've seen him give breaks to new jersey guys in the ufc where he ha- you know he had the flexibility of whether or not he should um and and so like i know he can be biased i know that he's not like a true like i'm trying to be the absolute best ref i can be so when this kind of thing happens i'm a little bit like fuck this like i don't i don't appreciate that but um the right decision i think came out at the end of it. The fight should not have been allowed to continue after the headbutt. Granted, I wasn't sure it was the headbutt. I get it. Um, it was fixed. It was addressed, and I'm glad for that. To me, though, it looked like, and granted, it's early in the first round, it looked like Kyle Dawkus was controlling the fight. He was able to keep Kevin Holland against that fence for the majority of it, right? Um, granted, he was able to submit him once Holland was basically knocked out. I, I think I think you saw that even though Holland is way faster on the feet, we know that, you know, he's an explosive fast striker. Dawkus, Dawkus had the right game plan and he was willing to execute it. Oh,
1: psychologically, they their, that's already rescheduled. It's happening in five weeks.
0: I know, which is crazy. After he got dropped like that, like that's a huge disadvantage. Holland
1: was concussed. G- Dawkins is going in with the confidence of knowing he can control him against the cage, and I and I took his breath away and got him to choke out the the psychological or tap out, pass out, whatever. The psychological advantage Dawkins is going to have going into that rematch is is immeasurable. He should be at least a plus, he should be at least a like a minus three hundred favorite.
0: I think he's going to be closer to the. Let's see if they haven't added it yet. I think he's going to be uh, much closer to that minus two hundred range, minus two ten. I think minus three hundred is a little far apart, given that like Holland is the significantly faster guy on the feet. I just feel like Dawkins, as much as his boxing is good, he's not super fast or athletic. Doesn't necessarily have much power, so I'm not convinced that that um, he can knock Kevin Holland out on a regular day. But Kevin Holland, having received a terrible knockout a month before that, like. And by the way, it was a bad knockout. Like, he woke back up. I get it. But it was a, it was a bad, bad shot. Like, it was as hard as it gets. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's weird that they're rematching it. You're right. He's going to be a big favorite. And uh, and maybe he should be. Maybe Kevin Holland is, is just a talker who's willing to kiss the ass of the UFC at any cost. And maybe he just doesn't have that much talent. I'm comfortable with that. Like, Kevin Holland came out after this fight talking about... Uh, how fighters shouldn't be complaining about their pay. If you're only making like 10 grand and you fight like a couple times, like you can make like 10 to 30 grand, right? But then if you fight a lot more, you can make more money. So it's up to you. Just like keep fighting more. Fuck you, Kevin Holland. Like, dude, like, like at least don't say anything on the subject rather than working against the better interests of mixed martial arts fighters. I hate that kind of bullshit. It makes him one of my least favorite fighters as well as Daniel Cormier, who I otherwise like. Just the whole brown nosing when it, it, like talking to the media, knowing that it might, positively affect your pocketbook at the expense of the rest of the sport do not respect that shit nick
1: you have beef with, with dc about that
0: hell motherfucking yeah dc always brown nosing about fighter pay about how uh, about how you know the ufc pays well and it's up to you you sign the contract kind of bullshit fuck you dude you make like you made a decent coin and you should have made way more but you made decent coin because they liked you because you were brown nosing the entire time it wasn't like It's not like they treat other fighters the way they treat you, Daniel Cormier. So it's like bullshit, man. Like, I don't like that kind of bullshit. Like, say nothing on the subject. You don't have to go out of your way to kiss Dana White's ass for favorable treatment in the public at the expense of other fighters. I don't respect it, Nikolai. Both Holland and Cormier do that. Chael Sonnen does that shit. I fucking hate it, Nick. It pisses me off. In any case, now that I'm uh, done with my little diatribe... um, Anything else to, to to say about this matchup? Nico Price, Alex Oliveira, fucking war. We expected yeah. it. Nico Nico Price uh, did what he did what we expected him to do. Just seventeen kids, kids between them. Seventeen kids. Fucking crazy, Nick. Ten kids for Oliveira, yeah. Nick. Um, just, Oliveira, I I, like,
1: Oliveira has eleven.
0: I, I really, I, I could have sworn he just hit 10. Maybe you're right. Oh, uh, so you're saying hmm. Nico Price has six maybe he kids had right? one during the fight, and Ben Price is about to have his sixth. That's crazy. Wow. Also you're counting that, I see. That's insane, man. Uh good for these two guys. You and I each have a daughter, apiece. I don't know how people make it with two kids let alone like 11 and 6, but Cuz Dana White, Dana guys, White, well Dana White pays them a lot of money. Oh, you know, what? that's a very <laughs> very good point, Nick. If the if the like third fight from the top is able to make enough money to support 17 kids between those two fighters, and by the way, these are bonus hunters we're talking about, right? Oliveira and Nico Price. Um if uh, if, uh, if they can do it, you're right. Dana White pays that serious dough. Um, what else is worth discussing? We already talked about Jared Gooden versus Joe Selecki. Um, Casey O'Neal, man, she's a serious prospect. Round two TKO at the end of that second round, man. She's just nasty. She's another pressure fighter who, just like Jared Gordon, won't necessarily win the first round as her pressure is working on getting you tired, right? But once you are starting to get tired in that second round, that's what she's going to start to take over because she's going to go at the same pace the entire time. She looked fantastic. She's a serious prospect in this division, man.
1: Yeah, she's great. I mean, I think she's fought six times in the last 18 months. We saw uh, Carol Rosa just styled all over Beth Cahaya's face and her body with ferocious knees, rock and pace. Beth Cahaya d- did not even look like a Bellator gatekeeper. She was just old and done, and we never have to see her again. So, peace. See you later. Glad you got to take out two of the horsewomen. Hope you save some money. Catch you at Carnival.
0: Hey, come on. Don't be mean. She's retiring, Nick. Just real quick. I don't get Let's go here. For but. I know you're kidding around, but go going for her level of talent. I think she definitely over, over, over accomplished the fact that she ever got to a title, even in a terribly weak division where she was one of like four girls, still pretty good. Um, you know, she won decisions that nobody expected her to win. So like props to her for that props to her for like calling it quits at a time when she feels comfortable. Although I hope that she can still make money elsewhere. Um, and just like moving on with her life. I, I, I give her props. I respect that. I never liked her. I, I don't find her to be likable, but she always fucking did her best and she did keep improving in her own ways.
1: Oh look at you, fucking white knight! All right, champion.
0: That's right,
1: noble, that's right. That's noble stand. That's me. Um, <laughs> uh, Androd. Oh, you um, know what,
0: Nick? Nick, I don't actually what? think we discuss Jared Gooden versus Joe Selecki. Just real quick, um, I expected yeah. Gooden's pressure. I expected his pressure to get to Selecki, even though Selecki's talented and like, you know, throws the one shot at a time. Did you say expensive. Gordon or Gooden?
1: Because Jared Gooden's on Gordon. this card coming up. Jared Gordon. Yep.
0: Yeah, no, no. Who, who uh, no, no, definitely talking about Gordon over Selecki. Gordon just I mean, he did his thing. He applied his pressure. He's too he's too crafty and talented to lose to a guy that's not just going to blast through him with serious power or is not much, much more technical like the champ Alex Oliveira. Right. That was his last loss. I believe Jared Gunn's going to get rid of these prospects, right? He's going to keep that gate. You can rely on him for that. Um, I, I mentioned it to you before, I've been on the same floor as him. We've never sparred. Um, but like he's just a tough, gritty motherfucker, and I respect the hell out of uh, out of what he's been able to accomplish given his limited athleticism. Joe Selecki still a serious prospect, just like a little bit too soon for this level of opposition, I would say.
1: Yeah, I think he, I think I mean I'm a big Selecki fan. I think he can get a little bit stronger, but Jesus, his he's got some of the um, he's got some of the slickest jits and transitions um, in the division. Yes. I from think. top position, I think he, looked, he does,
0: man. Yeah. From top position, I
1: think he looks he looks terrific. Um, yeah. From the bottom, he can be a little content to hang out there. I think it's an issue of strength. I think it was an issue of fatigue. <coughs> but yep. boy, on on top, he was like like a uh, like knife through hot butter, baby. Um, I'm there with you, man. And I thought he, I really thought he was gonna he was gonna close it out in the first.
0: I mean, I, I don't know. Like, he, he never got close to a submission. I didn't expect him to finish Gordon, but he, he did look good. If he was able to keep that up for another two rounds, I mean, or even one more round, he would have won the decision. It's just, it's hard to fuck with Jared Gordon, who, like, is going to get up like nothing ever happened after he gets dominated for a round. That's the difference here. Yeah. So like, he lost energy. Jared Gooden never lost pace at all.
1: Yeah, the two, the fights I would make out of that one would be throw Jared Gordon in with, the, with that ferocious Dane, Mark Madsen um i think that's interesting and i would i would and i would i would put together Selecki with hok parast following his loss to dan hooker i think i think makes some sense i I, the other fight i'd love for Selecki because i think it would be thrilling would be to watch him fight bobby green but bobby green's tied up with alia quinta
0: um i mean for Selecki, this would be likely a second loss he's not i don't think he's ready for that and like
1: he's probably not ready for bob for bobby green you're right I just think it would. I just think it would be fight of the night.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Likely, likely enough. Although Bobby Green's takedown defense probably means it's not going to be fight of the night. Bobby Green should have an edge. The only thing is that if mm-hmm. Selecki only throws one shot at a time and Bobby Green does his like I'm not going to throw much at all thing, then then it could be not as fun to watch, I guess. But. Uh, You're right. Like In about a year, I think that would be a great matchup. Just real quick, I know that uh, Silva Dandraj and Alejandro Perez got finishes, but I want to quickly touch on Stephanie Egger versus Shana Young, the lowest level fight on this card. But Shana Young, who had the skills to win this fight, was more athletic, was stronger, was a better stand-up fighter, kept going right into the clinch against Stephanie Egger, who's a fucking judo black belt. The only place Stephanie Egger had the edge shana young was stupid enough to walk right into repeatedly as she was dominating it was a terribly terribly low iq performance she deserved to lose the fight i'm glad she did but she has upside if she like if she can like either get coached better like i don't know who she trains with knoxville martial arts academy maybe that's why maybe she needs to get with a legit team but that was that's a winnable fight that she just literally gave up on a silver platter it was terrible in that way yep all right Nikolai. let's yeah and we got
1: both both got it wrong. Yeah,
0: we, we right. both got that one wrong. That, that's the only fight I got wrong on this card, actually. Nikolai, we've got Dern versus Rodriguez to break down. No, that's not true. That's not true. You got Dawkins Holland wrong. I definitely did not call that to be a no contest. You're you, right. picked, you picked Kevin Holland. And I did not pick it to be a no contest. You're absolutely right. I got that one wrong. Guy. And, and I'm sure, I assume you got that one right. So props to you, bud. So uh, let's take a break. Let's get into Dern versus Rodriguez next, Nikolai. I'm excited for you to catch up on another half a point or so. Back on the podcast for the MMA Geeks Draft. Nick and I each take turns picking fighters, competing on the upcoming UFC card. At the end of Saturday night, we tally up the numbers and see where we stand. As of now, I am up over Nick by 10.5 points. He's got some catching up to do. Uh, A correct pick nets you one point. Obviously, a wrong pick gives you no points. If it's a no contest, a draw, or uh, a no decision, I guess, you end up getting half a point because it's technically not a loss, technically not a win, so it's kind of in the middle. Also, if you pick an underdog, that is valued at plus 150 or more, you get two points if that underdog does come through for you. That's something that Nick, you've been doing really well with. I think you've probably got like seven or eight underdog picks in the last several months, which was super impressive. Um, around that range. If you were betting on every underdog you believe, then Nick, you'd be you'd be quite a bit ahead right now. Uh, I have the first pick this time, buddy. Not,
1: not now. I would have I would have blown it all the strip club.
0: <laughs> that, that, you're right. So you're right. Be... Like as soon as you win that forty eight dollars, you'll you'll take it right to the strip club, and yeah. you only spend like four minutes there with forty eight dollars. Naturally, spend eight minutes if you
1: walk slow. Fair.
0: Uh, really- uh, wait a minute. You
1: know what? Off topic. We're, we recorded a little early last week. Recorded a little early this week because you keep going to weddings. Yeah. You and your lovely wife. Yes. And your daughter. We're, are attending okay. weddings. Who are
0: all these fucking people getting married, and why aren't you trying to stop oh, them? That's a that's a very good question. Actually, Nick, these these the the wedding that we were at last week, the wedding the weekend, the the wedding that we're going to uh, this weekend, Nick. Both seem like couples that can make it and I didn't feel that way to every wedding about every wedding that I went to so both like really in love and both like really have the potential to make uh for some happy family so I do think they can make it here's the thing Nick I am in my mid-30s my you don't know that for sure you don't know that for sure until so you watch them try to pick something on Netflix together that's reasonable I have seen one of the one one of those pairs pick uh something on Netflix the other I haven't that's fair um so here's the thing um also, it is the source of power. probably every argument my wife and I have ever had. It's freaking Netflix. I'm starting to think that maybe it's not Facebook who's evil. Maybe it's Netflix all along, Nick. Um,
1: just, just ask me what you should, what you should watch. You should both just listen to me. I
0: feel like you're going to recommend like, uh, like a '70s black and white movie with, like, I don't know, the the old Sheen starring or or something. Not- not
1: necessarily. I'm a, I'm a famous TV writer. I, I write books on television, man. That's what I well, do. Well
0: aware. By the way, maybe we can, if we have a minute or two at the end, we can get into the uh, Sopranos movie a little bit. Nick, uh, as most of you know, wrote a book uh, that kind of gives you the background, on a lot of uh, a lot of the uh, kind of scenes, the elements, the the themes and, uh, in the Sopranos series. And so like this movie, near and dear to your heart, I'm curious to, to hear what you think. Nick, let's get into these picks quickly. I'm going to take uh, – Alexander Romanov to beat Jared Vandera. Yep. <laughs> He's a Shocking. giant favorite. I don't think he should be this big of a favorite. No, no, and I'll be honest with you, there were a couple others that I was considering in this place. I just figured this was your first, so I might as well I might as well secure it first. Um here's the thing, right? It wasn't my it
1: wasn't my first pick, so ha. Huh. Damn
0: it. Oh, you're probably picking the other fight I was huh. all right. Um so Vandera, like he showed a lot of improvement. Great high output pressure offense in his last UFC fight. Conditioning amazing for a heavyweight. I've never seen a guy throw that many strikes. Only in the second UFC fight after looking kind of rough in the first one, looking really good, man. He looked solid there. Romanov is not nearly as conditioned. Not used to opponents that are able to kind of resist him, as we saw in his last fight against Juan Espino, where... Espino was starting to take over a little bit as it ended up being like some weird no contest. I don't know if it was a low blow. Romanov didn't want to continue, so some questions there right about his heart. Maybe he made a good decision for his career. I think the argument could be made either way, but Romanov is basically, to me, like the heavyweight Khabib. He doesn't have Khabib's conditioning, unfortunately, but he does just just pressure you against that fence, lifts you off your legs and drops you onto the ground, pounds you, man. Donkey Kong ground and pound. He's insanely large has serious power from that ground-and-bound position, I think he should be able to get Vandera into that position. But if Vandera makes it through two rounds, which I don't think is likely, I think enough damage will be done by Romanov, where he should be able to finish. Uh, Vandera might have a lot of heart, and if he makes it through two rounds, he could be hell for Romanov in the third round. He could put the kind of numbers on him that would take Romanoff out of there. So there's risk in this one, but I am taking Alexander Romanoff to pick up the win over uh, over a guy that I also like in Vandera.
1: Um yeah, I, I mean, this was a high pick for me. I thought that Espino deserved that win. and that it took a little bit of the shine off of Romanov, but he's still, he's still, like, big and strong and, and just an impressive specimen. I, I think it's, I think he's, it's tall order, and he's, and I do think he's got a, I do think he's got a good chin. His gas tank is um, his biggest liability, and I don't, I just, I don't see that, I don't see the pace getting pushed, um, or him having to to defend the way that he did against Espino um, in this bout.
0: Yeah, that's the thing, is what allowed Espino so, to do well was his phenomenal ground game, and Romanoff usually fights on the ground, right? It's not going to be the case here, so I, I agree.
1: My first pick is not going to at all sound like a first pick, but I'm, I've got several underdog picks that I think are worth making here. Mm-hmm. And one of the most is, I believe these odds are totally uh, insane. So I'm going to take Charles Rosa at... As high as plus 160 to defeat Damon Jackson. I know that Damon Jackson caught that uh, caught that sub against Merced Bechtic on short notice. Bechtic is kind of a head case who like you know catches defeat a lot. Like it's it's just one of those things that happen. I don't think I, I think that I think that Charles I don't think Charles Rose is going to get submitted. I think he's I think he's really really good on the ground. If he's the kind of guy who's gonna get submitted, he would have been submitted by um Jesus, what's his name? Who's the motherfucker that turns everybody into a pretzel? Um Bryce Mitchell. That's all right. Didn't Bryce yeah, didn't Bryce Mitchell have a like a 15 minute scramble like in scramble insanity like, like uh and he didn't get if he didn't get subbed by him, I don't see him getting subbed by Damon Jackson, and I think Charles Rosa um, is probably a better all around MMA fighter. So if he's not getting subbed and I think he's probably going to land the better strikes. Um, and I think he would probably do more damage that way. I, I could see Rosa winning this over 15 minutes. I don't, th- I think Damon Jackson's path to victory is not a path against Charles Rosa.
0: So here's the thing about Rosa. First of all, I think you're giving him a little bit too much credit for that fight against Bryce Mitchell. It wasn't so much a scramble fest as just, he survived for 15 minutes he survived yes yes he, survived. he wasn't he's but he did he
1: did survive and yeah. and jackson is not is, is not bryce mitchell
0: no i i, I agree think. with you i don't think he's as talented but very similar i would say strengths and weaknesses he's just not like bryce mitchell talented or athletic and, and, and quite frankly as insane as bryce mitchell so rosa his takedown defense is his biggest liability right that's what keeps bothering him as much as he's a brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt um, even when he has gotten the occasional UFC submission tended to be off of his back after he got taken down and then, you know, guy made a mistake and he took over. Not really that great of a grappler overall though. Like even from top position has a hard time keeping position, but you're right. He's good everywhere, right? He's a really jiu-jitsu black belt. So capable there. Offensive wrestling is okay. Defensive wrestling is not great. His standup is pretty good, but he's not dynamic or athletic or doesn't hit hard, right? Jackson. Um has good takedowns and grappling. That's really most of what he has. That's good. Jackson has a really impressive record against some pretty decent opposition overall. Um, Rose is more durable, but not powerful enough, I think, to exploit Jackson's lack of durability. So I'm taking Jackson by decision here. I think he' he's going to be able to more likely than not get enough takedowns to win the to win a decision. But, Rose has a lot more UFC experience, and he's turned away like guys on Damon Jackson's level time and again. So it's not a bad underdog pick, Nick. I think it does make sense. I just disagree with it because of Damon Jackson's offensive takedowns and Charles Rose's takedown defense.
1: Oh, wait, you hear my next underdog pick. You're going to really hate that. Yeah, you think
0: so? I'm looking forward to it, Nick. My next pick is going to be. Uh, I'm, I'm having a hard time uh, committing. I'm going to go ahead and take spit it
1: out. Spit it out, Stan.
0: <laughs> I'm going to take Phil Hawes to beat Darren. When I'm going to regret this? That would you? God damn it! That was my other underdog pick. You, you know what? I thought it might be, which is why, which is why I was going to as let's go. I was
1: going. I, go, I was. I was going to pick Win. See who I still think is going to win.
0: Yeah, there, there's a significant swing, right? If Phil Hawes loses and I picked him, then I, I just don't score. If Darren Wynn wins and you picked him, then you are up by two points. So it's like a significant swing. In oh, your favor. so you knew.
1: So I gave myself, I gave myself away. I should have, uh, I, I figured this right, might be, well, and, and there's
0: another fighter too that I see as prospects, by the way, I'm surprised you only see these two as opportunities. Not that you should necessarily. Uh, oh no, no, there's a, there's a, I see another, right. I see another um, underdog pick I'm, so, I'm making. So here's the, this one's actually interesting to me, given like the weaknesses and, and strengths that we've seen from both guys. Wynn is used to having the wrestling and speed advantage in almost all of his fights, right? He's not going to have that against Phil Hawes. Phil Hawes is extremely explosive, right? He's not only fast like Darren Wynn, but he's also very explosive. He's significantly bigger than Darren Wynn. His striking is significantly better. He has significantly more power in his hands, but Darren Wynn probably has more grit, right? Darren Wynn probably will tough through bigger moments than Phil Hawes to win a fight. Hawes has got all of these advantages on Win, and Win is more durable, but that may not be enough wins way of winning, I think is to make this a war of attrition, but he kind of gets really tired late in the fight too. Even if he's doing well, as we saw against Mirchard who like he was doing well against early and then Mirchard's just offense took over and he ended up getting finished. Haas is less durable, but more dangerous and way bigger. So I'm taking uh, Phil Halls in this one, buddy. Sorry. I took that pick away. Yeah,
1: I you. think it's okay. I think, I mean, I think what you said is likely, but I do see a path to victory for wins. Yep. I mean, win is DC's boy. Win roll. Win can roll with punches, and he's got a really good chin. Yep. And <laughs> if he's able to duck on un- it, all he has to do is duck under. And if he can, I, I can see Hawes being someone um, who win can get to the ground. So i and I think if win, and if, and I think if win, if win can kind of like hang out on top for two for two minutes and forty seconds per round, all of a sudden. Like, I, like, I think there's a good chance that Wynn's able to do that. So particularly in the second, in the second and third.
0: So I'm looking at Phil Haas's, uh, record thus far and his takedown defense is 100%. He's never been taken down under Dana White's contender series or the UFC banner. Granted, he hasn't fought a wrestler of this caliber, uh, looking at his record. Yes. Right? Big, big difference. Bestayev is some kind of Dagestani wrestling powerhouse. Um, he hasn't fought a wrestler of this caliber, so that's fair. Um, and we know, like, he's significantly bigger. We're talking about, like, 5'5 five, five to 6 feet tall. 77 inch reach to, I think, something like 72 inch reach. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to, but look, you're right. There's underdog value because Hawes is, like, oh, 77 inch reach to 70 inch reach. It's insane. Um, I, I just feel like Hawes can catch that right hand and buzz him. And maybe he'll survive during win. Will maybe his conditioning will be better at the end. We'll, we'll see. I'm, I'm curious to, to see this one play out. Um, but you're right that, um, in all, in yeah, all likelihood, yeah. win is going to make him work hard. And if halls works hard, halls is probably going to get more tired than win at the end. So you, you're making excellent points for sure. There's definitely value there. What's your next pick buddy.
1: But it's, yeah, I think it's an interesting underdog pick. I don't think it's, it's not a fight where I'm like, win's going to roll through this? No, that's fair. Everyone's got it wrong. It's just, I see a real path. Yep. And um, are right, you are you officially
0: pick, just as um, are you? Do you think who do you give the edge to for the win outside of our? If I'm not making if I'm not making it as an underdog pick,
1: I really see it as a and 'em. I'll probably take Hawes just to not lose lose points to you because I hate you. All right, fair enough. <laughs> um, and uh, <laughs> all right, so under, I'm going to go with another underdog pick, um, a guy who's up as high as plus 170. I. Really believe that Tim Elliott ex- like exclusively loses to top tier content, top tier content. Jesus, top tier top tier competition. <laughs> yep. And I think Matthias Nicolau is is good. I just don't really see cases where Tim Elliott's lost lost to a guy at this at this level. Like I don't think Nicolau's like on the door of a title shot uh, at one twenty five. So I believe this is a gatekeeper fight, and that the and I expect Elliot to keep the gate. It could be a split decision. I'm just betting that Elliot I'm just betting that Elliot still has enough there.
0: Yeah, man. To your point, Elliot, who Elliot, who now trains under James Krauss at Glory, in the past he's had real issues with his flight IQ, he's had issues with his conditioning, and seemingly has fixed that under James Krause. He's like gotten him to focus in and actually do his road work and do what he needs to do to be able to go fifteen minutes hard. He's like Elliott's making a capable of making any fight close enough to win even against like some of the best on the planet but between Nicolau's far superior stand up and the fact that he's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt I tend to think he can have enough time on the feet to do enough damage standing to win kind of a scrappy decision um but again I have it in my notes right here the odds are way too wide in this one so I think this is probably your highest uh, value underdog pick I think this has more value than Darren Wynn and more value than uh, uh, Charles Rosa. Like, I think this should th- this should have been your first pick of anything because I think there's excellent value on Tim Elliott. Dude is like, again, if he's in a good place, he can beat anyone on the planet. And Mateus Nicola hasn't shown that he can clearly win a fight since his UFC comeback. So uh, I'm definitely there with you. I, th- I think you're making a good feel. I'm just disagreeing on the pick. My next one is going to be I'm looking at like matchups in which I think there's less chance for the underdog to actually come through. Um, because all these odds are so far apart. I think I'm going to take Randy Brown to beat Jared Gooden. Jared Gooden has shown yeah. that like he's pretty low output overall, has a pretty powerful right hand when he is willing to throw it, when he's fading, facing kind of a sub-UFC level, non-durable opponent. That's not Randy Brown, right? Randy Brown is going to be taller, uh, faster. He's going to hit just as hard as Gooden, More more than likely with most of his limbs. He's got a ground game on top of that. He's got wrestling on top of that. The thing is that, Randy Brown has been starched a couple of times. His chin is not incredible, unfortunately. And Jared Gooden has serious power in his right hand. So he's got a puncher's chance, but I've got, uh, I've got Randy Brown here to, to do well against the low output Jared Gooden. Should be able to get a finish, I think. Randy Brown's dynamic.
1: Yeah, I, I, I felt the same way uh, about that fight. So we're on the same page. I'm going to go uh, with a guy you and I both like a whole heck of a lot, uh, Chris Gutierrez um, over Felipe Calares, who I believe is coming down from featherweight uh, to bantam. Oh, interesting. Uh, I think I just think I think Gutierrez is the real is you know is, is the real deal. Um, big fan. I've enjoyed watching him fight. I think the UFC likes him a lot. Um, I believe he's the betting favorite. Yeah, he is here. Um, <clears throat> I liked him in. It. I liked his fight against uh, against Andre Ull. He had a tricky. His was it his fight against? Co- yeah, his fight against Cody Durden was was weird.
0: Right, he he clearly lost that first round 10-8 because Durden, who's a good wrestler, was able to take him down and just completely control him for that full round, take us back. Um, and Durden, who took this fight on super short notice, right, ended up gassing out shortly after and lost the decision because he didn't have the energy to keep going. But like, there is concern in this matchup for that reason. That's why I didn't pick this one in place of the last one that I picked, Nick, is because Felipe Corrales, is, the fact that you're saying he's coming down is interesting. If he has a good weight cut, he's going to be probably stronger, good takedowns, super gritty, a lot of heart, good conditioning so like he's got a chance here um but i do agree with you on the pick i think corrales just likes to stay at a kicking range when he's not going for takedowns and gutierrez tears people up from that range i think gutierrez should be able to do enough damage to make takedowns harder for corrales and probably win a decision
1: yeah i mean corrales is moving down coming off of a win against luke sanders at 145
0: Uh, i see that makes it yeah luke sanders who like can't win a win a fight to save his life it makes perfect sense he like was doing well and then started losing out of nowhere as he usually does hard to rate that as a high-level victory
1: so you're picking you're picking Gutierrez yeah
0: I'm there with Jan Gutierrez it's just I see the risk given that Gutierrez has given up takedowns before to like not high-level fighters um so I definitely see the risk the fact that he went to a draw with a guy who hasn't gotten a win in the UFC outside of that is not a great sign but he is a good talented fighter um my next pick is going to be I'm I guess I'll I guess I'll pick Steve Garcia to beat Charles Ontiveros. Both these guys are like offensively pretty talented, but Ontiveros is just not durable at all. He's been stopped seven times. And so I think like Steve Garcia should be able to make make it through a couple of moments of getting hit to like clock him once and Charlie should drop. But like Steve Garcia, who by the way has shown that he's tough in his UFC debut, but Charles and Tavares could just land a bombing that could be it. So like that aspect of it could go either way. These are low-level fighters, I should say, not high-level fighters. And like the UFC just paired up two strikers essentially for an exciting opener, and I think it makes sense, and, and I'm there for it.
1: Um, fuck, I'm gonna pick the main event. Are you agreeing with this is... pick or no, Nick? Oh yeah, I agree with the cool. pick, Garcia over Garcia over Tavares. Yep. Um, I'm going to go with I think she's I think she's too heavily favored at -170 but I like Mackenzie Dern uh to beat Marina Rodriguez. Rodriguez can obviously punch um but dur- Dern just has that intangible. One she's dur- she's durable. She can take we've seen her take a shot because for her first several fights she defended with her chin. Um and she's not a very always a very good offensive wrestler, but she makes things happen by virtue of just like pushing the fight and pushing the fight she's not go she's not going to hang out and point kickbox with mariana rodriguez she's not going to sit in the pocket um for very long she may be in there uh looking to throw a little bit and just get inside and get against the cage where she can get a takedown but I believe that over the course of five rounds, it's more likely that Mackenzie Dern gets an arm or a neck and that that's, and that that's it. She's just the, she's the best at that. I think there's a better chance of that happening than we seeing Rodriguez land the kind of shot that she did against Amanda Hibas. Um, so I, I think, I think Dern's just a little too, a little too durable and is going to, is going to push the pace and i see her i see her getting like a sub in the 3rd or 4th round
0: so both these girls have like the intangibles that most fighters don't have right most fighters don't have all of these intangibles most female certainly most female fighters don't because like real athleticism you're going to see that a little bit rarer in the women's division where like one person is just leagues above everyone else kind of like Ronda Rousey was back in the day like Cyborg is over most of our opposition in, both these girls are extremely athletic, very durable, have the mindsets, right? They will never give up. They're always gonna keep trying. They're always gonna keep trying to win a fight no matter what's happening. They both have heart if they're losing a fight. And they're both extreme experts in one area, which is important, I think, if you're going to be a successful high-level MMA fighter, you need to have one area in which you are far and above everybody else on the planet. Anderson Silva had his Muay Thai. Joseph Pierre had his wrestling, right? Mackenzie Dern has her submission grappling. Nobody at 115 or 125 can compete with her on the ground, especially if she's on top. Marina Rodriguez, yeah, almost nobody can they're compete They're both
1: murderous her. finishers.
0: Absolutely. Rodriguez, almost no one can compete with her standing. And it's tricky because Marina Rodriguez doesn't have very good takedown defense, right? She tends to give up takedowns early in a fight and then tends to get dominated. And then she comes back and wins the next two rounds. She's had a couple of draws in the UFC because of this exact dynamic. She loses the first round 10-8 and then takes over in the latter two rounds. Um, and Mackenzie Dern, as much as she's an elite grappler, doesn't have the best takedowns. And so we have Marina Rodriguez, who's super high-level striker, but... Not great at keeping it on the feet, especially early in a fight. Dern, who's an incredible submission artist who's not great at bringing it to the ground. Both have shown improvements in those areas lately. I like that Dern is win with uh, now in with that Ruka crew, uh, training with Jason Perillo, I think his name is. Really, really good fundamentals boxing coach. He's trained guys like Michael Bisping, uh, trained girls like Chris Cyborg, um, some really high-level clientele. Oh, it's with with Jason Perillo. Yeah, Perillo. Yeah, Yeah. and and Dern is training with that guy. And ever since she started training with him, Nick, in her last fight, right, the reason that I wasn't, I was confident in her ability to win. I think I picked her in our in our competition, but I. It's hard to know that she can get takedowns. Where in most of the almost every one of her UFC fights, I think her takedown percentage was like seven percent leading into that last fight. It might be ever so slightly better than that now. I do think she knows how to pressure effectively with heavy hands in order to earn the takedown, and I think that's going to be enough here. I think she just needs the one takedown in order to uh beat Marina Rodriguez. Whereas Rodriguez, she can knock most people out. Duren has a great chin. Um, and if is... Dernis- she can, but she just went. She just went five rounds. She went
1: five rounds with a natural atom weight and didn't knock her out. And I mm-hmm. love Michelle Waterson, and Michelle Waterson's tough and is put on muscle, but like. Rodriguez is big and fucking hits hard and, and hits hard and Michelle Watterson ate that shit for twenty five minutes.
0: She did, but Rodriguez wasn't very aggressive. And the reason she wasn't very aggressive is because she knew that Michelle Watterson will go for takedowns. She does it against good stand up fighters, and she knew that if they're on the ground, she's gonna be at a big disadvantage, right? So if she was that careful against Michelle Watterson, who you're right is smaller, less athletic, um, less dangerous on the ground than is Mackenzie Dern although much more comfortable standing, to be fair, how will she fare against Mackenzie Dern, who, like, you should be deathly scared of a takedown against Dern. I can see Dern just waiting in the way she does with her triple right hands that she goes gets into the clinch at the takedowns. I can see those triple right hands leading to a Marina Rodriguez knockout because Marina Rodriguez has recently won against Amanda Hebos in that exact same way. And guess what? Amanda Hebos is the one human being on this planet who has beaten Mackenzie Dern in mixed martial arts. So... Memma Mae Math is on Marina Rodriguez's side, but I agree with you on, about Mackenzie Dern. I think that
1: yeah, that was that, again that was that was Dern's. Sorry to cut you off, mm-hmm. but um, remember that was Dern's first fight after having her baby, if I recall.
0: True, and that, is that, that not correct? That's, no, that that was her first fight coming back. But to be fair, Dern didn't show the kind of improvement she showed in her last fight up until a couple of fights later. So, so you know, she probably would have lost that fight the same way her takedowns are not very good we're well, not very good then i should say it, and her stand up yeah. was not it might have been enough her enough. second
1: fight to be honest
0: uh was it let me i've got to, i've let gotta let look let i can't tell turn. it looks like uh it looks it, it looks, was her it looks first, like it was but, actually her I think it was her first fight back, Nick. It was because she fought in May two thousand eighteen, and then her next fight was October nineteen, which means a year and change, which makes sense because uh, her daughter was about I don't know nine months old when she uh, when she got back to fighting six months old maybe so so it makes sense it was uh, her first ta- fight yeah
1: Tapology has the has the years wrong
0: I see interesting um, so yeah look I I like Mackenzie Dern I think she just needs one takedown she's probably going to finish this fight Marina Rodriguez is fantastic at surviving on the ground but. Giving up mount to some of the opponents that she's given up mount to, like you can't do that against Mackenzie Dern. She will eat you alive. Having said that, if Marina Rodriguez's takedown defense has come up a couple of levels and Dern has Derns has not improved enough, it's possible. Uh, I just don't see it likely. I think once they hit the floor, it's Dern's fight. So I agree with you. I think it's a great pick. I think it should have been made earlier by either of us. It's a it, you know it's a high it's a good likelihood pick. Um, Marina Rodriguez's puncher's chance is not enough for me to uh, for me to believe in her in this matchup. My... Also, I got to pick.
1: She's my biggest. She's currently my biggest MMA crush. So uh,
0: Mackenzie Dern. Yeah, yeah she is. I've,
1: I've I've never. I've had a pretty consistent Mackenzie Dern crush since she, since she got on my radar.
0: Yeah, but, I mean, I've, her, I've never hinted her, at a crush her at her. Her husband could,
1: dis- could destroy me. Is her
0: husband no longer a surfer? He's not a mixed martial no, artist. No, he's just they're, a surfer. They're,
1: yeah, what have you seen him? He looks. He's 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 like um, he he's the alpha male. I'm the zeta male. You know, Nick. But,
0: just just the fact that you're willing to say that proves that you're absolutely right. I can't argue with you there. Yeah. Regardless of what he
1: looks like. I'm just a, I'm just a realist. Um. So yeah. What's that? Uh, oh, he, he looks like a model. He looks like a he looks like a young like a younger, like fun-loving, even more muscular Jacare. <laughs> Fair enough.
0: You know, he does kind of look like Jacare. I've seen pictures of him in the past. Uh. So my pick. My last pick, Nick, and uh, I think there's only one pick left for each of us. We're each going to end up walking away with five picks in this one. I'm going to take Sabina Mazo to pick Mar- to beat Maria Agapova. Nick, I don't know if you heard about Agapova. Like We know that she came into the UFC, uh, blew somebody out of the water, and then was a giant favorite against Shana Dobson in the biggest upset in UFC yeah, history yeah. <laughs> and ended up be- getting beat by her. Have you heard what her former training partner, Marina Moreau's fellow UFC fighter, has had to say about Maria Agapova, Nick?
1: I think I heard some things. Wasn't there a weird, didn't something weird happen? Somebody got kicked out of a house or was that the one? Where yeah. Was weird yeah. That?
0: You're, 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 uh, you clearly have heard this before. So apparently Agapova has gotten kicked out of two gyms. One of them is American top team. And from what I understand, she uh, got into a fight with a fighter and was threatening him and then contacted his pregnant wife and started threatening her via phone or social media. Um, from what I understand, she also threatened Marina Moroz to stab her like like said that she would stab her when marina morose disagreed with her about something it wasn't even like that serious according to morose who seems like a pretty reasonable person um and apparently like when they told her you're no longer welcome here and like you you should go she like like started physically trying to attack people and threaten people like like we're talking about Ricardo laborio and dan Lampert and all those folks that were and this is after Richard. after the dobson loss i believe or i believe this is after the dobson loss i may be mistaken Marina Mar- uh, Moreau definitely mentioned this after the Dobson loss. Now, here's the thing. It's possible that it happened right before that fight. Um, and so maybe that's why she was so ill-prepared and, and gassed out so quickly, but Moroz also talked about how she's a junkie, how she does drugs and like admits it, how she's always partying. Apparently they live like across the street from each other and Agapova had police over multiple times. One time they arrested her and, and took her from her home in handcuffs. Uh, apparently she's just like a party animal. So she sounds absolutely crazy. Like if you see her leading up to her matches, like, uh, as Bruce buffers is doing the announcements, she looks like she's absolutely insane. And it turns out she actually is. Um, it could be a Tony Ferguson thing. Maybe she's just like a mad woman who like, now that she's with MMA masters, which is the like official go-to gym for every fighter that's been kicked out of American top team. Maria Gopalva is following in the footsteps of a Cody, Cody. Who's Covington, Covington, the douchebag. That's right. Um, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. I just he's a terrible person. I don't mind forgetting his name. I'm not like that guilty about it. But yeah, look, I, I, I it's hard for me to pick Agapova Given all of that, she has the talent to win this fight. Um, Sabina Malzo has excellent kicks. She trains with Cordero at uh, King, uh, King's MMA, right? So like high level camp. A lot of UFC experience. Has fought some really good opposition, but tends to like not pull through in that third round if needed. Agapova hasn't shown the ability to get into the third round, and Mazzola doesn't get finished easily. So I like, uh, I like Mazzo to take the win here by decision probably.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't love either of them. I feel like Meza's a little, is, she's kind of slow and she hasn't, um, she didn't have that banger with Moroz, but she's just not very crafty yet. She's a little, she's a little meat and potatoes and I feel like a little predictable with her her kickboxing game. Uh, But she, she is big and she's strong. Um, But I do, I do think you're, I think you're probably, uh, I think you're probably right. So I'll I'll agree with the pick. You were going to
0: pick a gap of a weren't um, you? <laughs> no, I wasn't. Wait, what do we what do we have left? Uh, we have Lupita Godinez versus Silvana Gomez Juarez left. Godinez, who was scheduled That's to it? be on this card already. Yeah. And uh, Juarez, who actually was just added to this card, but she was scheduled for a fight three days later. So like presumably in shape and had a training camp. It has a pretty good record. So I'm actually somewhat intrigued by this matchup. I think the odds are way too wide. I think it's only because of short notice that they're so wide.
1: Yeah, I don't really want to pick this one. It's, it's and where I, we have an even we, we have an even number, so I have to. Yeah, you do. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> All right, this is something else we'll have to edit out because I can't I can't remember what I thought of these two. Um, if I remember correctly, Lupita Godinez has a de- was defeated by the Queen of Violence.
0: Am I right about that? Uh, yeah, it sounds familiar. Who's the queen of violence again?
1: And she wasn't. The other fighter was no. Um, she was. She lost to Jessica Penny recently. That's right.
0: That's right. That's, that's uh, what Lapita did, yeah.
1: and the other woman was. But it was a split decision, and then um, Penny went on to win and win a second fight. So and then you've got Silvana, who I'm not gonna pretend to know shit about um looks like a mexican fighter, fighter. She she got a trains with U- moreno UFC. and it's perez mexican, and those guys it's a it's a mexican fighter against an argentinian fighter who train who trains with mexican fighters <laughs> um and yeah she she lost in ksw to Ariane lipski my other mma crush um this i mean she's got finishes but they their finishes against people four and six six and four four and three sure. I'm gonna go with uh, Lupita Godinez just because she's she recently had a split decision against somebody who is finding some renewed success in the division. Yeah. Um, and no other no other real reason. I don't have, I, I got nothing. Yeah. Maria Lupita Godinez. Um. So the thing. Fighting out of L- L- Langley, British Columbia.
0: The thing about Lupita Godinez is that I think she could have won that fight against uh, Pena if she just didn't keep engaging her in the clinch and staying in that weird body lock position. Like, there were so many things she could have done that would allow her athleticism and striking advantage to shine there. But we, like you said, we have seen that Pena is pretty crafty at this point in her career. She's pretty capable everywhere. Um, I agree with you on the pick, but uh, Silvana is no joke. Like, she's, she's getting rid of the opponents that are in front of her. She's only lost to. Uh, Poliana Botelho and Ariane Lipsky, nothing to be uh, ashamed of. And also she lost to Lipsky by decision, which means she didn't get like clocked and and couldn't continue. Um, So uh, very good chance with her having a fight scheduled for the 12th, of this month. So literally three days after this scheduled bout now. So she had to pull out of that one and, and make it to this fight. She's going to be in shape. She was scheduled for contender series is what it is. Interesting. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree with you on the pick. I think just, uh, the UFC lights will probably be the, be the biggest factor. in the fact that, um, the fact that, uh, Lupita Godinez was considered like a prospect going into her UFC debut. I'm going to give her the edge, but you're right. It's a, it's a tough one to pick. I actually think there's some underdog value in this, uh, in this given the odds here. I think they're, A little bit crazy. I will quickly say, Nick, when it comes to betting, Mackenzie Dern, Randy Brown, um, you've got potentially Sabino Mazzo, Phil Hawes, all these people in parlays are not a bad idea. And you can also kind of counter that with like Darren win by decision or something along those lines. If you put just a couple bucks on that, you'll get really, really good odds, since he's a big underdog to begin with. Um I also think like you know, Alexander Romanoff is too big a favorite to really count on him. It's kind of a weird situation, but but there's definitely some... I think Charlie Ontiveros, by knockout, is possible in the first round. And so, like, he's a big underdog. Maybe uh, maybe throw a couple bucks down there. But have those, like, prop bets be a side piece, right? You're not trying to win a lot of money from that. You're not necessarily investing a lot of money into it, but rely on those parlays. People like Mackenzie Dern, Randy Brown, um, I, I think uh, uh, Sabina Mazzo, Phil Hawes, chris gutierrez should pick up wins here so if you combine them in a, a few different parlays you might lose one parlay and then win a couple of the others i, I think there's some definite potential here the odds are a little bit too wide though and there's some underdog value too as you talked about
1: yes sir mr mr golden bronze i'm looking at your your tan stature it's- Really annoying. This life of luxury you have.
0: It's uh there's there's not very much luxury, but I do have some color in me neck. I was born with it. Uh quickly gonna run through our picks, Nikolai. Your first pick was uh Charles Rosa to beat Damon Jackson. Second, you chose first
1: pick was my was my nose when really we started.
0: <laughs> Second was Tim Elliott. You've got so many dad jokes, it's incredible. <laughs> Second was Tim Elliott to be <laughs> to be at Mateus Nicolao. Your third pick was chris gutierrez over Felipe corrales fourth you took uh Mackenzie to beat marina rodriguez your fifth and final pick the one that you did not want to make was lupita godinez to beat silvana gomez juarez i can't believe i just had to say like 12 names for these two girls um and my first pick nikolai was alexander romanoff second i took phil hawes third pick was randy brown fourth i took steve garcia my fifth pick was sabina mazo not super confident in those last two, but but I think the first three are, are pretty good odds wise. And you know what, Nick? I hope that you inch even closer. I, got I hope two, I only get three picks right. Two underdog get...
1: picks I have.
0: Yeah, you, you do, and I hope they all work out for you, Nikolai. I look forward to this becoming closer. If both these underdog picks come through for you, and like you get another pick or two over me, we're talking about like you bringing it within like six points as possible, Nick, with, with this event. So I'm going.
1: Go, I'm going for it. Yeah. I, I don't feel great about. I mean. I don't feel as good about either of these underdog picks as I did Malarkey, but I, but I do think, I do think these, these could pull out.
0: Yeah. I can definitely say that coming. Now, Nick, uh, this podcast has lasted long enough, but do you quickly want to get into your, your thoughts of uh, the saints of uh, Newark?
1: Oh, uh, yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it wasn't successful. It's it has it has none of the qualities that the that the show has in terms of its acerbic uh, biting satire of um uh, the American experiment and 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 uh the late twentieth century or even middle twentieth century. It doesn't have any of the irony, it's got none of the black comedy. Um it's the characters largely felt like doodles and from a structural and dramatic standpoint, and even a narrative one, the it, it ha, it's like four movies in one, but none of them are fully uh, explored. They could have done a really interesting movie about the race riots and clashes between Italian-American and African-American culture. They didn't. They could have done a movie specifically about a young Tony Soprano looking up to his uncle, uh, Dickie Multisanti and Dickie letting him down, but they didn't they could they're, they could have done an, a large ensemble piece just about the dynamics of a, of the the dysfunctional family that our heroes in the show the sopranos come from, but they didn't it was It really felt to me like like David Chase had adapted uh, and, his, and their director Alan taylor had had directed um scenes from like a notebook like of, uh, and it just didn't hold together. And I was looking forward to it more than anyone. If that movie didn't exist, I wouldn't have gotten my book deal. And uh, I I was flabbergasted because I had heard good things early uh, from people in the know. And I watched it and was just like, why do I not, why am I not moved? Why, why don't I find this effective? There's a couple of, of ideas that work even as single jokes or like that, you know, where I'm like this, this is a good scene, but they're very, they're so standalone when they're, um, the Leslie Odom jr. character is an African-American gangster numbers runner is, is Love uh, Leslie Odom jr. He's fantastic. Yeah, he was great. It was told by Dickie, I think, uh, to, to take, uh, to take somebody out to take out a, a, another young African-American. The man who he's chasing runs away from the men trying to kill him and, and into a Vietnam recruitment office.
0: That was great. And I'm
1: like, that I'm like, that's a great gag. That's a great. That's a great gag that, and that's like a gag the level uh, that I would expect. But it's just like it, it. It just comes down to in service of what those moments are few and far between, and I just I wasn't left uh, feeling much. I did feel like some of the actors acquitted themselves well. I thought Michael Gandolfini was charming. I like Alessandro Navola. I thought he did what he could, but I just was largely uh, let down by the movie. I didn't feel anything, which is the worst, the worst thing imaginable.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm I'm largely with you. It just felt like it wasn't really ever going anywhere, or that you at least weren't wasn't sure where it was going. And then at the end of the movie, you're like, "Where has it gone? Like, what what has really happened here?" Um, And like you said, multiple storylines that barely intertwine, like you expect for there to be like, I don't know, the last 40 minutes of the movie to focus on how all of these different storylines intertwine to make for kind of a special ending at the very least, right, given the pacing. And it never happened. There wasn't very much character development, despite the fact that it spanned several years, although there were some with some exceptions. Focus was more, I think, on like the nostalgia element of it of like, Oh, look at that Paulie when he was young. How awesome is that? Rather than,
1: uh, yeah. And that's, I thought that stuff was horrible.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and r- rather, I thought all
1: those guys were, I thought all those guys were bad doing the, like the, the pussy polly and Silvio stuff. I thought was like unwatchable.
0: I, I thought, I thought he did a decent Silvio. I got a kick out of the fact that Silvio all this time had been wearing a wig and I never knew it. And I don't know if there was more like just more on the nose kind of allusions to it on the show that I missed out on, but this was just so on the fucking nose. No,
1: they're not there. They're they're never were. There never was right. And like, just the way, just the way that it, just the way that it looked. I mean, it was obvious. Steven Van Zandt was wearing a, was wearing a wig, but whether or not that was supposed to be the character's real hair. Right. Right. Right.
0: Exactly. And, and, and so like it had like good ideas that were just explored in the wrong direction. It's almost like a, it's almost like the way a comedian probably starts a joke where they just like, write You know, just like the bare bones of a joke. Like, like, you know, chicken crossing the road for what re- for what reason, like the most obvious, something like that and then forming that into a joke, they didn't form it into good they didn't execute on what could have been a good plot and the again, the focus is more on the nostalgic element of it and not nearly enough on exploring these fascinating stories like you said I will say though, Nick, it's amazing how great you are at breaking something down after you've actually watched some tape, it's incredible, Nick uh, Are you... <laughs> Are you, <laughs> i couldn't help it are you taking i'm taking a shot uh, we we took our shots at the movie nick and then i thought i'm gonna take this I, one i sometimes i sometimes
1: wa- i i watch tape sometimes i've seen so many fights of these people i know i know, I know.
0: I'm, I'm, I'm mostly messing with you but uh, i will say i got a kick out of the fact that michael we you say that you say that a week after i outpicked you that's true that, that is true that that half a point was very impressive uh but nick i will say like I did get a bit of a kick post-movie as I was watching the credits because um, I was curious about like if I recognized some of these names where I didn't recognize them in costume and makeup. Um, the fact that Michael Gandolfini, um, James Gandalf- Gandolfini's son, uh, having trouble with Italian names like you do with Russian names, the fact that he was playing his father was fascinating to me. Um, I actually thought the actor that played young Tony had so many elements of his facial structure that was closer than his actual son. And that was pretty cool to see, but I did get a kick out of the fact that his son was playing him. I saw a couple of inter or read a couple of interviews since then about how like, it sounds like Tony wasn't super close to his son. It sounds like he wasn't around enough and, you know, didn't necessarily include his son in his career. Like he would have his like special office where he would go to practice lines and like, you know, little Michael didn't get to go in there. That element of it kind of sucks, but he had to like watch all like watch the entire series leading up to the movie, do all this research and watching his dad, who's dead now must have been fucking yeah. trippy man um i did, I did get a bit of a kick out of that one. I think this will be like a decent springboard for him i don't I wonder how much upside he has. I think it all depends on like how much he can impress producers and directors in in Hollywood and all of that but um but
1: well well remember david David Chase has signed a five year first look deal with h b o so it's it's very possible that they're going to do something with this.
0: I could see I could see them stepping sort of- into a show with uh, kind of focused on him. Maybe maybe that will be the good that comes out of this movie, Nick. I wouldn't be against that, if it picks up give or take where the movie left off, or maybe even like starts with the very young Tony and kind of shows us some of that progression. I would be fascinated by it. I think again, there were so many tidbits that, if explored correctly, could have been fantastic, that this movie never really got into because it was so busy focusing on giving us six stories at a TV pace without actually like, without going deep into any of them. How could you in a couple of hours? Uh, but yeah, Nick, yeah. I, I think we're largely, largely on the same page, except you are much more eloquent at, at, uh, at, at forming your opinion there, Nikolai. Uh, good one in the books, Nick. I'm looking forward to seeing the results of Saturday. Yeah, night. Always.
1: What do we got? We have to do the one thing. I know it's late. I know all of our listeners are, they've fallen asleep or they're turning over, trying to, convince the person that no longer loves them to provide physical affection. That will be me in about half an well, hour, um, actually. But next, uh, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> we got um, Holly Holm against Norma Dumont, the fight that we've all been asking for.
0: Nick, I know that she is um, Brazilian, but I like to I like to say her name in the following way. Ready? Norma Dumont. For some reason, okay. like her being you French just works better for me. Norma Dumont. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah. Oh wait. So they got Man oh, Manfuro against uh, Mariboeira well, Silva. This is one. happening again. Wait, whichever Ooh. one of them had COVID. Wait, look at this. this. Going to recover in six minutes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, no, it was it was COVID protocols, not COVID. I think. Well, that's what they call but, um, COVID.
0: Uh, whether it be fighters or coaches that test positive, that's what they call uh, COVID at this point. COVID protocols. Oh. Uh,
1: there. Okay. There are two. <laughs> There are I can't two believe you fell for that like on that, this car. PR
0: version of like telling people somebody got COVID. I can't believe you fell for that. And you're like, oh, it was just yeah, protocols. There's... Nobody got COVID.
1: Wait, we got. Let me talk about the fights. We got <laughs> Kennedy and Joo and Da Un Jun. That's gonna be, a, that's gonna be a weird, awesome fight. Yes. And you've got Ludovic Klein against that madman Nate Landwehr. Into it. Those are both. Those are both. That and Man and Furo. Against Mary that's this is already a more interesting card. You got Andrew Sanchez against Bruno Silva. That's pretty cool. Into
0: that, um, Danny Romberg, Julian Roberts Marquez, of...
1: Julian Marquez with his with his Miley Cyrus callouts, taking on that Stephen Thompson-looking motherfucker, Jordan Wright. Um, and you've got the, the completely never boring Carlos Felipe, uh, who's hilarious. He's awesome against Andrei Arlovsky. That's good. Those. Okay, I'm looking at this, and I'm like, this is an entertaining card. Holly Holm, which Norma Dumont's probably not going to be very entertaining.
0: No, probably I not. I hope Norma
1: Dumont likes, likes standing against the cage. 100%. Um, That's
0: exactly what this is going to be, unfortunately, yeah. And if unless Holly Holm... But the parents, rest of out. it, yeah.
1: this is a good card. And we you know, we lost a Timor Valley of fight, and... A Mariana Moreau's fight. Those would have been good. And we also lost Caitlin Vieira against Misha Tate, which would have been fantastic.
0: Agreed. Yeah, it looks like, look, honestly, this card uh, to begin with looked pretty solid. Is it going to be on ESPN Plus? Interesting. I wonder if it's also going to be on main ESPN because this is like a pretty good card with Holly Holm at the top. Was was a bit of a name. Is Holly Holm like 48 yet? How old is she now? Only 39, huh? Who? I feel like Holly Holm, like it, it seems like she entered Who? the UFC in her mid 30s and like somehow isn't far off of that many years later. But like I guess uh, it. I guess that.
1: Works. I don't know. I mean, I'm a, I'm a Holly, I'm a Holly Holm fan. I, I mean, just as an, as an athlete, I think what, she, I think what she's been able to do, uh, her conditioning and showing up in MMA after, after a career in boxing, and being absolutely at the top and in, in the mix with the best people in the world. Like, I'm a Holly Holm fan. Yeah,
0: I, I, I like her uh, enough. I, I don't think like I think she's way more talented than, than. Her fights may lead you to believe, and a lot of that I don't know if it's a mental block or the fact that she's been coached by shitty coaches her entire career. But I, I think, like, if she was at ATT Man, she could have been the number one girl rather than like the almost number one girl that she has been through most of her career.
1: Yeah, I mean, she went to went this distance with Cyborg. I thought that she deserved to win that Jermaine Durand or me fight.
0: Um, I don't know, and she to was to win beating it, it was the.
1: Uh, I did. It was close, but I thought that I gave it to her. And she, until, she, I mean, she was winning the Misha Tate fight going away until she wasn't.
0: That's right. She was dominating that fight. And Misha Tate uh, seemed open to matching up with her, but not like actually buying it. Just like, yeah, yeah, that's, you know, maybe. We'll, we'll see. And Misha Tate being selective about her fights back, I, you know, I can't really truly blame her. Holly Holm wanting that matchup, I get that because yeah, that's the, one of the only, three she can avenge. only
1: person. The yeah, the only, the only person that really outclassed her was Amanda Nunes. Everyone else she's been 100% in the fight. Um whether in in victory or or loss, like she's been right there with yeah, like she, everybody she, except she was, except Nunes. She was
0: semi-competitive at least I agree, but I will say of all her losses between Danae Shevchenko, Cyborg and Nunes, I think the or and Tate of course, I think the matchup that allows her to gives her the highest chance of winning is against Misha Tate. By the way, Misha Tate, who took her O away from her, Holly Holm was ten and leading into that matchup. That that is interesting. I, I do hope that's where they go next, just for the sake of nostalgia. I don't expect that these girls to challenge. Well, that, title. that's why
1: they were that's why they were putting them on the same card as they were that trying to get sense. that back together. That's
0: a shame. That makes sense. I, I think you're right. Although, that you anyway. know, pro-
1: probably at one th- probably at one thirty five. I would think unless Misha is thinking about going up, but I, I can't see that. I don't know.
0: Oh, that's a good point. Um, Holly Holly's willing to go to either division because odds are if you're fighting at 145, you're fighting like a shitty competition. So she's yeah. flexible, but she can make 135. time. I don't think she'll have a problem with it. Nikolai, let's call it an hour and like 15, 20 minutes in, Nikolai, Here we are. We're trying to make this a 45-minute episode. We never came Once I hear yeah. that voice, I just want to No, turn. we doubled it. Sometimes I'll just listen to it. You're Just remember
1: to cut, cut out that shit, right? yeah.